I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Hey, Atlanta, have you heard? True Laundry Detergent is now offering free shipping in the Atlanta area. Just text the word TRUE to 404-493-0523 or give us a call. That's 404-493-0523. True Detergent is four times concentrated and perfect for those HE washers. Just one ounce removes dirt, brightens fabrics, and leaves each load with a clean, fresh scent. Best of all, True contains no animal products, and it's safe for sensitive skin. Follow us on social media, True Detergent ATL. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz-Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and product across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily. The creators of Elementary Genocide Part 1, The School to Prison Pipeline, and Part 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, present the third installment, Academic Holocaust. Each film produced, directed, and personally funded by writer Raheem Shabazz. Hollywood Chronicles says the documentary Elementary Genocide turns a critical eye towards the dehumanizing educational environment that criminalizes black and brown youth by funneling them from schools to prisons. As the third installment to the critically acclaimed series nears completion, we're looking to our legion of supporters to help us reach the finish line by making a donation today. If you've learned anything, shared any content, or have received any value from the Elementary Genocide brand, 
you're going to love Elementary Genocide 3, featuring the likes of Kaba Kemi, David Banner, Shahar Razad Ali, Michael M. Hotep, and Professor James Small. To help spread this important message to the masses, visit elementarygenocide.com or search Elementary Genocide 3 on Indiegogo.com and make your contribution today. That's elementarygenocide.com or Indiegogo.com. If you're unable to donate, please share our cause with your family and friends. Peace and power, black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and this is episode 14 of Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I'm sitting here with Professor Ed Gons. Many of y'all have known Professor Ed Gons from Elementary Genocide 1, the school to prison pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and now Elementary Genocide 3 academic holocaust and we here today to talk about educational racism in the 21st century but before we get into that i want to say what's up to the brother ed also there's a lot of people hating on this man because i don't know how he did it though but he just seemed to make every documentary and you know why first and foremost he's a good brother young vibrant firebrand brother and yo the brother always show up he takes my phone calls and you know we we have done some business together and i I respect those that are emerging to the forefront and putting themselves in leadership position and more so than anything this man is a college professor and he is impacting the minds of our youth in the classroom where it counts. So with that said, man, I want to say and introduce Ed Garns. What's up, brother? What's up, man? With that intro, uh, I feel good to be here, man. It's it's good to talk uh, amongst friends and family. I consider you both my brother, so I'm looking to get into it today. So um, you drop some topics and I just go, man. All right. That's how we're going to do it. Um... There's a lot going on, man. A lot going on, man. Here in Atlanta, around the world. You know, in our last couple of episodes, we talked about the closing of Rikers Island in New York City and how that is very impactful. And that was a victory for um, those that fight on the behalf of uh, incarcerated individuals. Um, we had a situation here in Atlanta where they trying to use a brother as a scapegoat burning down a highway <laughs> you know um black man get blamed for everything man and it all centers around white supremacy and racism so as a person that went through the school system and that works in the school system can you tell us how prevalent educational racism is today in the 21st century well, I'm glad we going there because I, I I I really think one of the things that you have to remember about the education system it was never designed for people of color or black folks in the first place. It was often designed to educate elites. Also, one thing that you'll notice about the education system is that you don't learn practical skills or common sense. Because if you did, the media would not be able to convince you that someone that has a drug addiction burned down a highway. 
Number one, it doesn't even make common sense. But then when we look at history, one of the things that white supremacy is very good at is helping to create scenarios where vulnerable people who are not in position to fight, you know, people that are in poverty, a lower, lower socioeconomic background, are often blamed for larger structural ills. So what do I mean? This person cannot afford adequate represent, representation to defend himself. And he is considered by society standards to be a throwaway individual. Like we just throw certain individuals away. And so when that individual goes against a system designed against him, who you think is going to win? But what shocked me even more was not that it happened. I mean, we've seen this play out with with Tuskegee's experiment, different things in our lives. We've seen this play out. But but how people fought to believe what the media was saying is what's problematic. And it shows that we are not being educated to use grandma sense. My grandma gut told me immediately when I heard that that's impossible. How can you generate that much heat? from burning a chair underneath a bridge. It had to be some kind of other elements. I'm not a chemist, but that kind of fire that I saw, <laughs> you need more than crack, my brother. <laughs> yeah, it looked like the end of the world. And I mean, I was watching it on TV and it looked like the end of the world. So I was like, okay, what is this about? Um, but I, it's, 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 I, I'm not sure what is going on, but it follows the trajectory of our history where somebody vulnerable is being blamed for a systemic ill. What type of studying you teach in school and why is it important to the psyche of the black man, woman and child that we see individuals such as yourself in teacher roles, especially if you're a young black student? Wow, you're going to go there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I'll start with some fundamental truths, man. The fundamental truths that I go by is that, number one, we have to teach practical education and common sense. Um, as an African-centered therapist and counselor, I believe, you know, that the universe, that we have to be in harmony with the universe. We have to be truth tellers. I also believe that, you know, time is not to be on. Time is cyclical. So I come out of an orientation um, that supports uh, black students' uh, internal belief system that sometimes they don't even know they have. You know, so it, my educational uh, philosophies come directly from my parents. You know, my mother gave me uh, Nikki Giovanni instead of Dr. Seuss. I mean, I remember being a young cat uh, going to lectures by Dr. Kawaza Kanjufu on the conspiracy to destroy black men. It was one of his, you know, major tunes that he wrote. So as a black professor, I bring that experience uh, to the table. Um, I, I bring an experience that kids can relate to. Uh, I also know that there's a way that you have to, in a white supremacist culture, build up self-esteem. One of the things that I do as an educator coming from a counseling and psychology background is that I deal with the psyche on a regular basis. So if I'm talking about cognitive dissonance in my class and cognitive dissonance is, you know, a principle when you get information that is contradictory to what you know or what you feel and you can either continue with their ideology or change. I use Erica Badu's window seat. 
I might not use a theory or a person that they don't identify with. So number one is just totally identifying with the culture that they're recognized. But education is about finding what your personal truth is. So I don't try to teach my students to think like me. I try to have them become more self-actualized so they can begin to think for themselves, to challenge and question things. And then as a professor, uh, I have a critique on power and privilege in America. So a lot of my lessons deal with how power and privilege operate in America. So that means letting students know you'll be surprised how many students don't are not comfortable with the principle of Africa being where the cradle of civilization. You know, let's just start there. A lot of our students are not comfortable with themselves. A lot of our students don't realize that racial stress and the stress of white supremacy also affects their level of engagement in the classroom. I mean, there's been research and common sense will tell you if you are being taught by someone that doesn't love or appreciate black people, that's going to come off in your lesson plans. And then I just try to be, you know, a good person, man. You know, I think a lot of times we think that there is some radical solution to fall out the sky. But a lot of times our students are not being taught by people that love and appreciate them as human beings. (laughs) I think we got to start there. Uh, Sometimes we think that. What students need is a fancy education. What students need is a is an educational system that allows them to grow, meets them where they are, and then challenge them to be the self-actualized individual they were put on this earth to be. One of the things that I, I really enjoyed and I think is profound is when you say education is about finding your personal truth. And I think that's what um, we all need to do, regardless to... Um, what educational background we come from, what is our religious philosophy or affiliation. I think we need to always look for our personal truth because, you know, the media will give you alternate (laughs) facts, alternate truth. So we got to look for our, our own personal truth. Now, in your classroom settings, is it always predominantly black or, or, or is it is it white students? And tell me, are some of the other ethnic groups, are they receptive to your way of teaching? And, you know, I know it's coded with a little radicalism <laughs> and, and that black Afrocentric teachers, are they receptive to that? Well, one of the things that people forget, I think that African-based truths are universal truths. So with my students, like, you know, people have this tendency to believe that I go to classroom, I got on a dashiki and I'm saying kill white. (laughs) That's not what happens in my classroom. I think as an educator, students feel authenticity, right? So no matter what your race is, when you're in my classroom, you feel empowered to be who you are. All right. So more specifically, like I have more because I I teach in traditionally white spaces, I'm always going to have more white students than I have black students. Right. But one of the things I like about having black students in my classroom is that, you know, there's this kinship, you know, this 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 universal appeal that we have as black people. Like when a black student walks in my class and I get a head nod, I give them a head nod back. I see the light bulb go off like, yo, 
Professor Garns is black. Like, I mean, I get energized by seeing that. But I think one of what, what has made me successful in white spaces, I mean, there's a balance between, you know, being who you are, working in systems that are oppressive, and still getting the best out of your students. Like, so, so for example, we were, I was talking about in class recently how, you know, I, I drive a, uh, <laughs> I drive a very regular mid-size sedan and I was giving research about how I, I saw a study that when blacks go to buy a car, the same car that mid-size sedan that I drive, I'm going to pay $700 more than a white person. And students are like, the white students are like, yo, Professor Garns, this really happened? So I try to give them, you know, my life in real life examples to show power and privilege. Like when you examine power and privilege, we're not only dealing with race, we're dealing with class, we're dealing with uh, sexual identity. And so when you have students of different backgrounds, when you give them appreciation of, of how power and privilege operates, you can teach them anything. And then also, by me being in the classroom, I defy stereotypes that white students have already seen because they have a certain they have a certain stereotype of what they're going to get from a black professor. And then when they see that I can talk about Freud, but I can still talk about friends for none. <laughs> I can talk about Carl Rogers, but I can still talk about Dr. White, Dr. Uh, Thomas Parham. They see that I'm prepared and that they see I'm trying to get them to grow and stretch as students. But I do enjoy <laughs> when I see that light bulb go off in black students. All right, we get ready to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with Professor Ed Garns. Make sure you don't go nowhere. We're going to keep chopping it up, and we're going to talk about power and privilege when we come back. This is Necessary Blackness Podcast. I am your host, Raheem Shabazz. Make sure you tune in each and every Wednesday, 6 p.m., my people. Peace and black power, family. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Hey, Atlanta, have you heard? True Laundry Detergent is now offering free shipping in the Atlanta area. Just text the word TRUE to 404-493-0523 or give us a call. That's 404-493-0523. True Detergent is four times concentrated and perfect for those HE washers. Just one ounce removes dirt, brightens fabrics, and leaves each load with a clean, fresh scent. Best of all, True contains no animal products, and it's safe for sensitive skin. Follow us on social media, True Detergent ATL. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. 
Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and products across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily. The creators of Elementary Genocide Part 1, The School to Prison Pipeline, and Part 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, present the third installment, Academic Holocaust. Each film produced, directed, and personally funded by writer Raheem Shabazz. Hollywood Chronicles says the documentary Elementary Genocide turns a critical eye towards the dehumanizing educational environment that criminalizes black and brown youth by funneling them from schools to prisons. As the third installment to the critically acclaimed series nears completion, we're looking to our legion of supporters to help us reach the finish line by making a donation today. If you've learned anything, shared any content, or have received any value from the Elementary Genocide brand, you're going to love Elementary Genocide 3, featuring the likes of Kaba Kemi, David Banner, Shahad Razad Ali, Michael M. Hotep, and Professor James Small. To help spread this important message to the masses, visit elementarygenocide.com or search Elementary Genocide 3 on Indiegogo.com and make your contribution today. That's elementarygenocide.com or Indiegogo.com. If you're unable to donate, please share our cause with your family and friends. All right, we're back with Necessary Blackness Podcast. This is episode 14. And for those that are joining us, we are sitting here with Professor Ed Gahn, and we are talking about educational racism in the 21st century. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a podcast you don't want to miss, especially if you're a teacher, aspiring teacher, or if you're a student in school. You definitely want to tune into this one. So, Professor Ed Gons, you are an African therapist as well as a counselor, right? In that capacity, what is the main problem that you see in the classroom? The main problem is getting students to have the belief that they can actually be successful. You know, one of the things that we focused on in America, we focus on the civil rights movement. We focus on the physicality of slavery, but we don't talk about what that did to the psyche and how we have generations of people that suffer from low self-esteem and low self-efficacy and don't have support systems in place to tell them they can be successful. That's really the that's really the first draw. All right. Is how do we instill self-esteem and self-efficacy in our students? It's really what they're reading and what they are exposed to. So let me give you an example of working with a black male student. Right. So it may seem like I'm in a teaching position. I'm working with this black male student, but I have years of training and reading. So when I'm working with a black a black male student, I'm pulling from Richard Wright, black boy. I'm pulling from the work of Langston Hughes. I'm pulling from the work of France for none. I'm pulling from work from even contemporary scholars like a killer Mike or Kevin Coakley. So I'm coming and bringing that training to the table, not only with my lived experience, but with 
with other people who are scholars that have lived experience to kind of instill some kind of hope from them. And then another thing that we as black students uh, struggle with and to show you that I'm I'm still a Ph.D. student now. I'm, I've been a doctoral fellow um, in a Ph.D. program for psychology. I, I, I experienced the same thing as my students. So one of the major studies with what students experience, especially on the college level, is stereotype threat. Like Dr. Claude still talked about how stereotypes and people feeling like that you cannot succeed or be successful, then you begin to internalize that and you don't do well. So stereotype threat would work like this. I tell you, hey, Raheem, I'm about to give you this math test. It's going to determine your intelligence. It's going to determine everything about your educational pursuits. And then you take this test and you're a math scholar, but you don't perform well. We know you know math, but in these particular instances, when you are given this test under certain conditions where you believe your life is at stake, then stereotype threat might make you perform less than you're, than you're capable of. So those are oh, two major things. Stereotype threat, just the belief that you can do it. Um, and then also we have to be very real about how we train our kids. Education is not when you send your student to school. Education starts in the household. Like that's why I always bring up my parents and my grandmother. We have this belief that we have to go to a, a predominantly white space and learn everything that we need to know to succeed in America. But in the black community, we get education every day. When you go to the barber shop and you can get your taxes done, you can get a discount on, on music, you can get your uh, you can get a lawyer to represent you on the case because you don't have a lot of money when you can figure out what restaurants to go to or what black businesses support that's education when we got when your grandmother was parting your hair with grease on the back porch while chicken fried and she was giving you life skills and adaptive strategies to deal with white supremacy and white racism that's education so we have to expand how we educate our students. So when I left the classroom, my mother was giving me things from black writers. My dad was giving me things that that exposed me to a whole world of information. And the reason why I became a teacher, I have a general thirst for knowledge. Not because I want to pass a test, not because I want a white person's approval, but because I have a thirst for knowledge and how things work. And I also am, you know, anchored in African-centered psychology where I want to see my people heal and win. And so we have to expand the parameters of what we even believe education is. Because my father said, if if you have all this book sense and I drop you off in the middle of Atlanta and you can't get back to our house or figure out how to get back to our house, use public transportation, whatever you got to do to get back home, then what is your education work? And my grandmother always preached common sense. A book sense without common sense is nonsense. So you have all of these things encompassing education, and we have to understand that our kids need multiple intelligence. They just don't need what a book tells them. They need some practical life skills as well. One of the things that you mentioned when you gave the scenario about the math test and telling an individual now this math test is going to determine whether you pass or not, it's almost like standardized testing. And um, you spoke about um, the psychological effect that people are not aware of and that we more so focus on the, the physical aspects of slavery. I read a study and it talked about how trauma 
is passed down seven generations and it's called Epic Geno. And um, that's real profound because, you know, white people, they do things seven generations in advance. You know, they look at what's going to affect seven generations from today. A lot of us, we just concerned about what we're going to wear to the club on Friday or Saturday night. We have to get out of that, black people. All right, moving right along. You spoke about defying some stereotypes. What are some of the stereotypes have you faced in the academic arena as this black African therapist and counselor from those that don't possess the melanin skin? I like how you said from those that don't possess the melanin skin. You know, it's it's funny. I, I would say, you know, one of the first stereotypes uh, when I, I have a master's in counseling from Michigan State University and I have, you know, excellent training, excellent clinical experience. But when I started my Ph.D. program, uh, one of the first weeks I was there, someone asked me, you know, so, Ed, you know, how was it, you know, coming from such a a hard background and you know you're here at, at at this particular institution and you had it so rough growing up and you overcame how does that feel thought about it for a second because what I wanted to say I definitely wouldn't be completing the education <laughs> and I had to sit and think and you know, I said you know um I said well both of my parents had master's degrees I grew up middle class I don't remember ever having certain basic needs not met so I really don't know like what you're speaking about how hard it was I think I deserve to be here <laughs> and so like one of the, one of the major stereotypes that you see in, in academic settings is that it's this whole principle in America of meritocracy right that is the belief that everyone gets there on their own merits you might have also heard it uh, as pulling yourself up from your bootstraps right <laughs> so the just the fundamental belief that people cannot believe that I'm actually there okay on the college campus that's the first thing the second thing is that when you look at uh, predominantly white spaces, a lot of times you're not going to find a black male professor. That's another stereotype. So sometimes when students are, do engage a black professor, sometimes it's a, it's a black woman. They are definitely not expecting, you know, I do look young, even though I'm, I'm up, in, up in my years. They do not expect a young looking black man to be responsible for a class. All right. That's another stereotype. Then the other stereotype is that when you are a student and an educator, you can't possibly have experience. Now, I don't toot my own horn, but I would like to say having taught college, you know, for five or six years, having a master's degree, been a been a master's level counselor for at least uh, 16 or 17 years, I bring a certain level of experience. But it is assumed when in a room with other people that I have the least experience. <laughs> That's another stereotype. Then you can't possibly know how to teach students that are of a different race. That is another uh, stereotype. But I have found students feel truth just like anybody else. So one of the things I pride myself on is being authentic. And also as an educator, I do not present myself as an all-knowing person. There's always a book. There's always a resource. There's always something that I do not know. 
Like if a student asked me a question in my classroom and I could not answer, I would say, hey, good question. Got to get back to you. I don't know the answer. So there's also this stereotype as a, as a professor or a teacher that I have to be omnipotent and know everything in the world. But one of the, the smartest things you can do is know what you don't know. And then also to show you how stereotypes work, black men are not allowed to walk in college spaces. Like I've been followed in bookstores. I've actually had to wear my ID constantly because people just don't believe that a black man should be in an educational institution because that is something they're uncomfortable with. They're comfortable with me in an orange jumpsuit, but they're not comfortable with me with a sports coat, khakis and some shell toes teaching a class. That's crazy. You know, even in the academic setting where this man has showed that he's fully qualified, he's facing pushback and racism and white supremacy is real. Now, I know Brother Ed Gons, and I will tell you, we have to stop the stereotype amongst our own self, as well as, you know, whether they stop it or not, we have to stop it amongst our own self. And I can tell you this. The brother is sitting here and he has on a polo hoodie, the same one I got in my closet. So if we if you was to hang out with me today and I was to take you around some of my folks and I'd be like, yo, this is my man Ed right here. They'd be like, oh, yo, what's up? Ed fit right in with us. But if I was to be like, yo, you know, this dude's a doctor. He got a PhD. They'd be like, what? You know, because... Well, well, he's on his way to getting his PhD. Brothers would be like, oh, word? wow, I didn't know that because he doesn't look like. And, 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 and you know what? He shouldn't because there's no particular look like we do what we do because we are multi intelligence and we possess that genius. And it's in our DNA, you know, so this brother can wear his shell tops, his shell toes. And he can wear his uh, polo hoodie, you know, and still be who he is. Like, he don't have to put on them Oxfords and them khakis and a tight button-up shirt, you know, for y'all to give him that title or to think that he's authentic. Now, if you would have had on some hard-bottom shoes and some tight khakis on, you wouldn't have got stopped on that college campus. I guarantee you that, brother. And, and, and that's another thing, you know, um... He's an alpha male. So that 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 makes it worse sometimes in, in itself, man. All right. Um, for those that are just joining us, we talking about a lot of things. We talking about educational racism in the 21st century. We talking about power and privilege, uh, stereotypes, and a whole lot of other things. My name is Raheem Shabazz, and I am sitting here with Professor Ed Gons for those that are, are just joining us. And we just chopping it up, man, you know, having fun. And make sure y'all check out Elementary Genocide 1, the School to Prison Pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, as well as the forthcoming documentary, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. And you can catch the brother Ed Garns. He has been using his power and his privilege to be in all three documentaries. So having power and privilege is not a bad thing, you know, because it, 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 it's, it's working for the brother, man. So listen, um, if anybody's interested in, in getting in contact with you, 
how can they reach you? You know, what's your social media handles? Yeah, if you want to reach me, hit up uh, Sweet Tea Ethics. I think um, you you already know this, but you know I I've been doing my Sweet Tea Ethics thing as the founder. My my organization is from Afros to Shell Toes. One of my main programmatic offerings is Sweet Tea Ethics. So we've had Dr. Cornell West, we've had uh, Killer Mike. We've had Clifton West, Dr. Courtney West's brother. We've had a lot of people um, on our Sweet Tea Ethics Tour. But that's where I go to colleges and just talk shop about the issues of the day, power with privilege, you know, how to uh, still eat chicken wings and graduate from college, you know. So it's a lot of topics. So hit me up on Facebook via Sweet Tea Ethics. That's one of the best ways to reach me. Uh, I look forward to, uh, you know, talking to all of y'all and I just wanted to say something about the point that you made about you know how we look and how people interpret that I think that one of the things that makes me uh, successful as a scholar is accessibility right I remember one of the first times that I met my mentor Dr. Cornell West he said that what he liked about my work was that I took very high level concepts from psychology, from therapy, from black psychology, and I broke them down and made them accessible to a new community of people that don't traditionally help see. Because what I'm trying to do is get black folks um, more responsive to the psychological needs of other black folks. And so that accessibility piece is something that we have to do. You know, how many times have you seen a book that you enjoy, went to the book sign and the person treated you less than? Or how many times have you seen a person on some of these networks that are predominantly white spaces that we think only legitimate information comes from these people that are on these shows and you ask them to do a community event and they front on like we have to be accessible to our people if we're going to do this work. So, you know, I appreciate the opportunity and you giving me a platform. And I think that accessibility to those haters that were questioning whether I'm on one, two or three. I think that accessibility and the fact that you can holler at me, whether we're talking about a movie or not, just on some general everyday things. I think that accessibility is why we connect and why we connect with other people. This is Necessary Blackness Podcast, and that is going to be our conclusion for episode 15. Make sure you tune in each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. All right, in closing, there's going to be one person out of all the people that listen to this broadcast that's going to say, you know what? I'm inspired by this individual, and I want to go the career path that he went what advice can you give to he or she that is sitting right now and pondering about teaching African psychology or being an African therapist and a counselor the first thing I would say is surround yourself with people that are going on a similar trajectory in your life and also know that I am a product of not only you know my grandparents, my parents who gave me uh, some sustainable things to use in my life. But I'm a product of mentoring. Like some of my mentors I mentioned before, uh, Dr. Cornel West, Dr. Joseph White, who is considered the godfather of black psychology, Dr. Michael Wooder, Dr. Robbie Stewart. Uh, so surround yourself with mentors that, that have been there that can show you the, ra- the ropes and give you the playbook. Life has a playbook in this game. 
And so you need mentors that give you the playbook. But you also, in order to keep the train, the liberation train moving, that you also need to serve as a mentor to someone that you that may be younger than you or that you may have more experience than. So being a being a mentee. And also mentoring helps our personal development because we are able to teach and we're able to learn and grow simultaneously. And so that would be my advice. And then just know that you can do anything. You know, we are told as black people that there is a certain trajectory that we have to go in, but you can do anything. But know that we all get there by supporting one another. So I'm a product of mentoring. Get a mentor and don't be afraid to help seek and ask for help when you need it all right you heard it right here first on necessary blackness podcast and we're gonna see you next week same time same place make sure you download us on that google app make sure you download us on itunes and stay tuned Also, family, Saturday, April 15th at 6 p.m., I'll be sitting on a panel with David Anderson that will be moderated by Dr. Boyce Watkins called The Science of Black Financial Intelligence. Make sure you come out, and that's here in Atlanta at the Black Shrine of Madonna. Also, Friday, April 21st at 8 p.m., I'll be conducting a Twitter chat. So make sure you get on Twitter and join me and my 40,000 plus followers using the hashtag school to prison. That's spelled out school, the number two in prison. Make sure you check us out Friday, April 21st at 8 p.m. Also, Saturday, April 22nd, there'll be a free screening of Elementary Genocide, the School to Prison Pipeline at 12 p.m. in St. Paul's, Minnesota at the Lex. And that's St. Paul's, Minnesota, 12 p.m. at the Lex. And that's Saturday, April 22nd. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, At Raheem Shabazz, peace and blessings, family. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic. Because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognize no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Hey Atlanta, have you heard? True Laundry Detergent is now offering free shipping in the Atlanta area. Just text the word TRUE to 404-493-0523 or give us a call. That's 404-493-0523. True Detergent is four times concentrated and perfect for those HE washers. Just one ounce removes dirt, brightens fabrics, and leaves each load with a clean, fresh scent. Best of all, True contains no animal products, and it's safe for sensitive skin. Follow us on social media, True Detergent ATL. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. 
That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Kretz Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com. Persons interested in broadcasting a commercial can reach us via email at necessaryblacknesspodcast at gmail.com. Necessary Blackness is distributed on all major podcast platforms iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and Google Play. We'll also promote your business and product across our various social media networks, reaching over 100,000 people daily. The creators of Elementary Genocide Part 1, The School to Prison Pipeline, and Part 2, The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration, present the third installment, Academic Holocaust. Each film produced, directed, and personally funded by writer Raheem Shabazz. Hollywood Chronicles says the documentary Elementary Genocide turns a critical eye towards the dehumanizing educational environment that criminalizes black and brown youth by funneling them from schools to prisons. As the third installment to the critically acclaimed series nears completion, we're looking to our legion of supporters to help us reach the finish line by making a donation today. If you've learned anything, shared any content, or have received any value from the Elementary Genocide brand, you're going to love Elementary Genocide 3, featuring the likes of Kaba Kemi, David Banner, Shahad Razad Ali, Michael M. Hotep, and Professor James Small. To help spread this important message to the masses, visit elementarygenocide.com or search Elementary Genocide 3 on Indiegogo.com and make your contribution today. That's elementarygenocide.com or Indiegogo.com. If you're unable to donate, please share our cause with your family and friends.